and we back 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 and we back. Okay. Welcome to the All Time Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. We are going over the year 2010. We still don't have our mics figured out <laughs> because we're recording this right after our bonus episode. So bear with us. In our basement, so uh, let's hope you don't hear too much echoing, but hopefully we will be fixed and uh, up and running by Episode 2. You may have heard the cat purring in the last episode, which is great. Yeah. So if she comes back around, she needed to take a shit, and the door was locked. <laughs> um, interesting about this decade thing. We don't need to talk about what we're up to, what's in the news, what we're yeah. listening to, because there will be a 2019 episode at the very end. Um, but you know, we're starting at 2010. That's 2010. The decade. It's been. Uh, it's been a big, uh, big last ten years, and. Going over 2010, it really took off with a bang. Uh, yeah. The first great album of 2010, as we noticed from looking back, was an alternative album. Yeah. Vampire Weekend's second Contra. Um, that's probably, the, in my opinion, the first great album of... Uh, yeah. I think I could say that. The, the first... Great album of the decade... Um, they were following up off their second one that made a bit of noise. They were getting a lot of comparisons to Paul Simon. Um, that was pretty much the only comparison they were ever getting. But it was cool to see that going into the 2010s, after, after the year that 2009 had uh, for indie music, that these bands were getting a lot more visibility going into a new decade it was less it was more acceptable to break into the mainstream so i thought that was really cool you were seeing in their music videos you were getting like known artists like jake gyllenhaal and the giving up the gun video rizzo was in that video and it was cool to see like i said people from 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 hip-hop people like in the in the in entertainment, popular people in entertainment infiltrating indie music. That was really cool. It, it, it was also taking off 2010 where indie music started getting more traction. Yeah. People were getting more into that style of music because it was different than the rock. Mm -hmm. It was different than the alternative rock. Right. The, the What you're hearing every day on the radio type thing, that was changing as well. Mm -hmm. And Vampire Weekend did a really good job with the way they made their music. And for somebody that only listens to hip-hop, they caught my eye. And we had the yeah. discussion when that album came out. I was like, this is a really good album. Because it's not your typical, especially for somebody that like you, that you're drawn to hip-hop, which is a genre that whether we... like it, it, It's easily grouped as things that, as, a, as a type of music that sounds so much the same. You probably feel that way about indie or rock bands yeah so when you hear a band like this come out and they're like they sound the way they do mm -hmm. of course it draws you right to it um they did they did a, they did a great job with promoting themselves in a way where they were making their music differently and they were rolling out their music videos differently it wasn't the same thing that you're used to no for sure um, you said something that was interesting um, about how 
indie music was like at its peak and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we often talk about like once you get towards the later part of the decade, a lot of people weren't. Um, they don't. They don't keep up with. They don't. They don't do their homework. No. So you'll like certain artists, but you won't know what inspired that artist. In the year 2010, the festival circuit started getting really big. Oh, the yes. Coachellas, the Lollapaloozas, the Oshagas, it was a thing to go see that. And what was so great about them was how you would still get... Like in 2010, I went to Oshaga. The first time? Uh, no, no, it had been before. But that's where I saw Pavement. That's where I saw Sonic Youth. And like not at a small stage shoved in the back to end the night. They were right like pavement right before the National and Arcade Fire. And you get a taste of what inspired and you're there f you're there to learn that. That's done now. Yeah. Nobody wants that anymore. No. I agree with you. And to get back to the way indie rock started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The people that were listening to different styles of music. Mm -hmm like the hip hop they were they were they were being brought into a, a different sound like it was something new yeah there is the bands that all these guys look up to mm -hmm. but it was a newer sound it was fresh yeah it wasn't being done would you also say cuz you said about people that listen to different types that was also very uncommon whereas nowadays like there's more despite you're not doing the homework as much you probably like more things because more is accessible to you. I I find that interesting how that transition happens in the 2010s where people who used to listen to one type of music specifically or associated to a, spe a, a, a specific genre starts branching out. And we're going to talk about the artists that do that later, who we think do that. Um yeah, I don't think it was very common in the 2000s that if you... And we said that too in the 2010s episode. The albums like the Raekwon, Cuban Links 2, or Most Def's The Ecstatic at the end of the decade for hip-hop didn't quite get the merit they deserved to, to the general listener. For sure. Unlike now, where those albums would have probably been like... And what I found interesting about people that listen to indie rock... Yeah. A lot of the times, they listen to hip-hop. They have their roots in certain areas in hip-hop. Whether it's the underground hip-hop. Yeah. Whether it's the southern right. style of hip-hop. Mm -hmm. The West Coast. Mm -hmm. People that listen to indie, listen to hip-hop. Right. It's kind of like it meets in the middle. You know like when RZA would do those... Or Wu-Tang meets the indie culture. Or Wu-Tang yeah, meets yeah, this. Yeah, sure he would do that. He, he brings... Two different styles of music together. When he mm -hmm. did those things where he took soul samples, yeah, it's bringing two genres of music together. Yeah, they might not sound the same, but there's a link somewhere. Yeah, it's even like when you see like the Kanye having done like uh, um, the uh, Peter Bjorn and John sample for like a mixtape track, or like man, Kid Cudi. Uh, I'm not a fan, but what he did with MGMT, what he did with like uh, Ratatat. Yeah, like that put that that gave those bands coverage to people that wouldn't go out of their way to find that. And that's why as we said with the Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in our 2010s episode on season 1, um Justin Vernon from Bon Iver being on that like the the Black Sabbath uh Iron Man uh um sample homage sample, yeah. Things like that in 2010 started also breaking the wall down between this is what we do. This is who Don't we cross stick over. with. Yeah. yeah. So Kanye, I mean, is, yeah. Kanye West is one of the first that started to do that. Right. So uh, we're not going to go too much on that album because we did a good number on it in the season one episode at the end. But it's a very important album for the 2010s and to kick off the next decade. Right, for sure. Yeah, it's also at the end of the year, but we have a whole we we have a whole year to talk about. Um, what's on the hip hop radar that year? Uh, for that year, for twenty ten, um, I would say uh, there's the Kanye West album. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the Odd Future rollout. Yeah. Uh, there's the Mellow Hype 
that yeah. came out, but Odd Future started getting the traction from the little kids, okay. from the younger people. Yeah. That that younger generation, that skate, I would say generation yeah, of people yeah, started yeah. getting into yeah. that style of hip hop. Like yeah. Odd Future was doing, we're going to make hip hop music our way and we're going to make hip hop music for this style of people. But it also crossed over into people that listen to indie rock, that listen to rock music. Mm -hmm. They were getting into it. Mm -hmm. Do I know why? No. It could be because they were more aggressive. Darker, yeah. It was Darker. Like, had a different tonality to it. You know, there was there was a different sound that the Odd Future was doing, but it was grabbing people that were listening to different styles of music. Right. Like, we went to work with people that listened to indie rock. We went to work with people that listened to punk rock. They were getting into Odd Future. So it really brought Odd Future into different genres of music. Right. And also for guys like Odd Future that came from the suburbs. Right. They weren't always listening to hip-hop. They've said it before. They listened to rock music. They listened to different styles of music. Right. I'm surprised that's the direction you started with because we just closed off season two. And one. as yeah, we're starting season two. Um, season one, we crowned a group the best artist in hip hop. Yes, and that was Outcast. And in 2010, we get a long awaited album from an Outcast member where we thought either would flop, not be paid attention to, mm -hmm. or not know which direction it would go into. Yeah. So we're talking about Big Boy, uh, Sir Luscious Left Foot, the son of Chico Dusty, released in July 2010. People that still ignore him, because Andre is, like we said, is a character. It's a, it's somebody everyone likes and looks up to, and, and he's very much uh, blah, blah, blah. If you are making that argument for Andre in the 2010s without hearing this album by Big Boy? I don't see an Andre album. <laughs> no. <laughs> so maybe it's time you start looking this way. It's crazy to me because when Big Boy came out with this album, it flew right by me. I did not care for it. Mm. I liked the cover the way it looked. I was like, okay, what am I getting myself into? Uh -huh. What is he going to do as a solo artist uh -huh. after coming off of making just classic albums his whole career right. with Outkast? Mm -hmm. It took me a while. I remember I took the promo from work. Mm. Shout out to Craig for bringing me promos. <laughs> and I went home and I sat with it and I was just like, there's a new direction he's going into. It was more pop. Yes. It was more fun. Outcast was always fun, but this was, well, it was more pop. Yes. There was a lot more featurings on the album. Yeah. There was a Great lot. Great features too. Yes. There was a lot more like choruses. It was, a, it was a, almost a party album. Yes. But he came out and said, I'm not with Outcast anymore. I'm not making music with Andre 3000, but here's my solo album and here's the direction of sound I'm taking this to. Right. To the next level. Yeah. And he fucking blew it out of the park. Yeah. Because what also he did was make a sound that Atlanta was not used to. This sound was not being made in Atlanta. He used elements of Atlanta to very yes. much make the album. Yes. But it came, it kind of came out with a new sound for Atlanta. Mm -hmm. His rapping on it was just beyond incredible. Yeah changing up flows. Right. But what I really liked about it was it was very musical. You had the Jamie Foxes on the choruses. You had the T.I.'s rapping. And each song... Janelle Monet. Yes, Janelle Monet. That's... I, I, I don't know if she put out her Arc Android before this, but 2010 is the yeah. start. Well, I mean, she had her EP. But 2010 is the, is the start of Janelle Monet. Yeah. It being pushed by Big Boy and by Puff Daddy. Right. But Big Boy really did something where kind of went unnoticed at the beginning, but then took traction later on as the year went by. Yeah. Because he did something incredible with this album. And you know what? He's still doing it now because he's still coming out with solo albums. And, and they're good. They're in, and yeah, he's they're still very relevant. In, yeah. 
he's still relevant. Right, he works a lot with uh, Run the Jewels as yeah, well. Yeah, Killer Mike. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's still out there. He's still putting his name out there. He's still rolling out the outcast, but really the big boy name mm-hmm. and put himself, he stamped himself as one of the greatest MCs. What else you got? Uh, there's two downfalls in, 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 in hip-hop that year. Okay. Let's start with Eminem. Eminem comes out 2010, releasing Recover, Recovery. Yeah. Okay, so he came out with I would say 2008, 2009. I'm really bad with Eminem release dates. The one with the pills. The one with the pills. Uh, Relapse, which was, I would say, an- another Eminem album. It was all right. He still had his Eminem roots. He yeah, on that album. Yes. He, yeah. Okay, produced by Dr. Dre, uh, Fifty Cent featuring all that stuff. But then comes out with Recovery where he always was mainstream but started to do the music yeah. for the radio started to do the music yeah. that people were like hold on a second what the fuck is going on with Eminem he was better as yeah. an alcoholic and on drugs yeah which you can't say you, it sucks to say that but he started doing I feel this, like that would be most artists he started uh, doing the music mm. that he was making fun of in his previous albums. The songs were yeah, Pink. He did, he did. The songs were Rihanna. Yeah. This was blew over in the charts insane. Didn't he recently even do songs with Ed Sheeran? Well, Sheeran's whatever. Yeah, like, he did songs with Ed Sheeran. Yeah, he goes to get those pop artists. and. Uh, so he's really doing something that he would never do. Mm-hmm. And to me as a hip-hop artist and as an Eminem fan, quote-unquote, was just... Horrendous. It was. It was off. It was. It was off. It was horrendous. It didn't sound good. Yeah. It didn't sound like it fit his style. Mm-hmm. And I found myself, and I'm sure I could have this conversation with people because I know Tyler the Creator said this, but recovery is probably his worst piece of work. It's terrible. It's horrendous. Yeah, it's very bad. But the people outside of hip hop. I would say the people that like the pop music, that are fans of the Rihanna's, that are fans of the Taylor Swift's people and all like that, that stuff, like, are going to yeah. like this. But as a hip-hop artist, he shut the bed. It's fucking terrible. He did, he did. And since then, I decided I am not going to listen to anything Eminem puts out after that. I will maybe give it a shot. But you did try uh, Marshall Mathers too. And I tried the last one that came out last year, 2018. But yeah, it doesn't sound as horseshit as this. But no, no, he he stepped it up to some yeah, yes, since but that, at the yeah. same time, I can't listen to it. I you can't listen to this album in full at all. It's hard, yeah, it's, yeah. And it goes to show where people that like shit music mm-hmm. are gonna buy this album and it's gonna hit the charts. Mm-hmm. Point final. Yeah. So we're gonna move away from Eminem mm-hmm. and go to Lil Wayne. 20... 2008? He came out with Carter 3? 9... 2008-2009. We'll re-listen to episode... Uh, Something. 9 later. Yeah. I think it was 2009. I'm yeah. confident it was 2009, yeah. So Lil Wayne was at the top of the mountain. He was probably the biggest hip-hop artist mm-hmm. at the time. 2010 hits. He comes out with a rock album. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Playing guitar. Playing... Whoa, playing... <laughs> Well, he started doing the songs with Kevin Rudolph and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, got, but, he wasn't, uh, yeah. But the the image of I am the greatest, mm. I am going to do something totally different, and flopped. But people were listening. Sold. People it sold. listened, but Look, it was we, horrible. We worked. Very bad. We worked at HMV in the time, and when this album came out, the shells were fucking empty because everybody was coming to get it. Yeah, you got a nice Eminem song on there too. Actually, that song was actually the probably the better song, the best song off it. What song was it? Drop the world. You like that song? No, no. I'm saying if I have to pick a song <laughs> off this album, that's the one I would pick. But Rebirth, <laughs> really, to me, I was just like, this guy's fucking ridiculous. Right. This is also when Free Weezy starts. Yeah, where he, goes he starts to prison. his prison sentence in 2010. For what? I don't know. <laughs> Taxes. So he <laughs> he releases Rebirth. Everything goes downhill. He goes to prison. The Free Weezy. But 
probably the most important thing of Lil Wayne's downhill downfall mm-hmm. musically mm-hmm. would be Drake. Downfall. Well, no, because Lil Wayne is downfalling, right? And something else is coming to take his place. Well, he handed off the torch. Yeah, there you go. That's he, the right. That, word. that that that's really what happened there. And uh, yeah, that very good point to bring up. Was it uh, so? His first album, "Thank Me Later," came out in twenty the in twenty ten. Yes, it wasn't. It sold. It was a it was a hit. It, com- ca- commercially. it, caught, it caught people's ears like crazy. Right, but I remember when that came out, and we had the discussion about Drake on the last episode. Yeah, was that I didn't think that album was like anything great. Yeah, it it was fine. Uh, Today I'll I'll turn around and say you know what some of these songs actually did better over time than when they first came out a bit like the 808 style you know yeah. we said that too how how the 808 sound is Drake is a product of the 808 sound in some way but so far gone was a mixtape that was so big in 2009 that he followed up with this that I'm surprised. There was even a career in line for it after this. Yeah, because you didn't like this. I thought this was at on release. I thought this was horrible. I did not understand the hype behind this artist. I thought he was garbage. And it's kind of come full circle now yeah. as of late. But I thought that this album was just another B.O.B., another Kid Cudi, another just here now. Watered down. That's it. And... There were good tracks, Fancy with uh, T.I., Hell of a Track, uh, the song with Nikki Up All Night is good, Fireworks with uh, Alicia Keys, not a bad track, uh, Karaoke is good, but that's more of his like R&B style, mm-hmm. but overall, like I remember hearing uh, Find Your Love or Found, Found Your Love, the one that Kanye produced with that ugly drum, <laughs> on the radio all the time, But you- and... In the clubs. Yeah. That's a song I just didn't get. We, when we would go out, it would, yeah, that was these songs on. would play always two on. times a night. Yeah. But let's let's put this straight. Lil yeah. Wayne goes down and Drake comes up. It's like... It, well, he's holding the fort for yes, this Young Money thing right now. Because he's part of Young Money. Right. Nicki's also on the way up. Nicki Minaj came out with Pink Friday that year, 2010. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was 2010. So Lil Wayne's pushed to the side and you get two of his artists being put up to hold the torch, to hold him up, to hold the Young Money collective up. Yeah. And they're fucking... sucks. I hate saying this, but they killed it because they were getting that... that his fans and yeah. getting different fans from it. Drake was getting more female fans. Nicki Minaj had the more female fans. These songs, these artists were playing in clubs. I used to hate going to clubs, <laughs> B-side, A-side, whatever, the Pink Taco, all those places, and that's all they were playing. They fucking, they took they the... They held the cl- Ford, yeah. Yeah. And I still don't get how, look, there's the Take Care, there's the, now you're reading this, it's too late. I know those albums are big. I know people love those albums. Mm-hmm. But to me, how somebody likes Drake, Thank Me Later, and finds it amazing... I, I don't understand how, like, this sound really made his career go that fucking, direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I still don't get it to this day. That sound for me is very much a sound of a, of driving in a car in the college era. Mm-hmm. It reminds you of a place. I'm not going to put the album on to say this is a body of work that needs to be reevaluated 10 years later. It takes you back, it has that sound of where you once heard it. And no matter how you want to look at Thank Me Later and that kind of shitty sounding hip hop of that era, of that beginning of 2010s, exception, of course, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but these albums take you back to what like what you liked at that time. It does that as well with Teflon Don. Yes. Another album of 2010, Rick Ross, his best album. Best album. But when you go back to Teflon Don, you're thinking of exactly what you described on that Drake album, driving in the car, going to the clubs, hearing those songs there. You're not hearing it to say, how does this sound 10 no. years later? You know it probably didn't age well. No. 
Teflon Don did age well. Uh, it has parts that aged well. There's some tracks that's, that are very much a product of 2010. Hip-hop is, is a music that's very uh, dependent on technology. As we said in that 80s episode, technology is always changing. Yeah. What these producers are using becomes obsolete. Yeah. Well, we can't record on mics today because our mic box is obsolete. <laughs> yeah. So, shit. Right. So, so technology changes. You know, at the time, these these this kind of tech was uh, the, the this gear was popular. This is what they used to make beats, and now, you know, it was abused at the time. When you hear Big Ross time. albums later, like a God forgives, it's clean. It still has like it could have come out today. Teflon was using a bit more of that. Yeah, for sure. But to me, those years, the 2010 years, like I would skip over the Drakes, the M&Ms, the, the Little Wayne's. And I found myself really into underground hip hop or the anywhere between underground mainstream, yeah. like the Currencies, Pilot Talk. I was that I found out. Pilot was, Talks were good. The Pilot Talk 1 and 2. That, that year, 2010, good. they both came out. But Pilot Talk 1 really took me yeah, to another level. And I was just like, holy fuck, what am I listening to? Yeah. Um, having nice, Snoop Dogg on his album. Having Most Def on his album. Having Big Crit. Big Crit, yeah. Crit Was Here came out that year. Yeah. 24 songs. What do you think? Because I know Currency was also a friend of Wayne's. And was like yeah, on Carter like people, like, yeah, like he was well known, even though he kind of remained underground. But like, what happened to guys like Currency that were supposed to take off more? Like, Pilot Talk was amazing. Amazing. People could listen to Pilot Talk now and and be like, he was ahead of his time yeah. with the sound. How did this never become more of a? Was he lazy? Was it not? Was it that? The, I think I I think. Look at the beats Drake chose. Look at the beats Lil Wayne chose. Mm -hmm. Currency did not want to rap over stuff like that. Currency is more laid back. He has more... The beats... He chooses his beats differently. Yeah. It's more laid back beats. It's more soulful beats. Yeah. You know, he's using different technology to make his beats. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw him live... In 2010, or it was 2011, I don't remember what year, it was actually brought my brother to that show because he opened up for Method Man. Yeah, I remember you wanted me to come, yeah. And it was more laid back. It was more like driving music. Didn't he break his leg? He was sitting down? Yeah, basically the stage was an airplane mm. with couches. And they were just sitting down. He had a broken leg and he was just smoking weed. Okay. But it was it, it's a different sound. And he was running with Little Wayne with the Carter too. And just didn't want to do that sound he wanted. Do you see currency on a lollipop type beat? I actually can. <laughs> I can't see him on a. I can't see him on what Drake did for on what most of Drake yeah. did for Thank Me Later for sure. That that's no. That I wouldn't see no. Kid Cudi also came out with Man on the Moon too. In 2010. 2010. Again, that album we yeah. said was it in an episode that we said it was overrated. Uh, we discussed that Man on the Moon, the first one we said yeah, it was yeah, overrated. There, to me, they are all anything all, all overrated. But is that the first one or the second one? Second one, said? Oh, Man on the Moon Two, the Rage Mister Rager. Overrated. I didn't even hear it. <laughs> no, I didn't. I really didn't. To me, it was anyway. I don't think people cared for it as much as. To it. me, the only Cuddy album that I've heard in in. I know. Well, the first one I knew at the time because mm -hmm. it was a trend thing. And again, with the indie artists, it was cool to hear what they were doing. But to me, it was uh, Kid See Ghost. I don't care for what, anything else. No, for sure. I agree yeah. with you. Right now, I don't care for anything else but yeah. that. If you're looking back, I don't even know if I did have you get it. Did you get rid of them? Yeah. The Kid Kelly's? No, no they're, they're still... all up there. <laughs> you want one? No. <laughs> um, Bun B came out with Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Got five five mics in the source. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of Drake, before Bun B, yeah, promoted Drake. Solana Vegas was that it? Uh, the I song we did together. Yeah. Anyway, they did song on the Bun B trilogy that was named one of the best hip hop albums of that year. Yeah. In twenty ten, he was promoting Drake. Mm -hmm. Drake was coming on 
singing or kind of singing rapping on that album mm -hmm. but bun b a hip-hop legend from the south ugk was promoting drake mm -hmm. while little wayne was locked up uh it, it's a big year for hip-hop the first time i started listening to freddie gibbs uh mac miller came out with a kids mixtape there's a lot happening but something big that happened was the producer rapper album started coming out in the style of like a mad villainy you're saying yeah exactly or are you saying one producer but 20 no, rappers down that there? that was happening too that yeah. always happens but more of like the mad mad lib mf doom okay we had the murs and the night wonders we had the david banners and the night yeah. wonders we had the self-titled and Buckwild, DJ Muggs and Ill Bill, yeah. Sky Zoo and Ill Mind. Like a lot of underground, but you saw that it was happening more often. Well, underground was still very much like the way to go for hip hop in 2010. Yeah, the Mad Lib came out with uh, OJ Simpson with Guilty Simpson, yeah. which, was, which was big. Mad Lib also came out with all his medicine shows. Okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 he did, yeah. Which is which is which is huge. Freeway and Jake One. Remember that album yeah. with it's a money no, clip. I was looking at it before. Yeah, it's like that. That all came out. So there was a lot more of the producer yeah. rapper happening. True. Uh, there was also Gangrene, Alchemist, and Oh No. Like a lot of the underground was shining. So let's say you take these albums. Yes. Because there are a lot of underground. We just made a list of best hip hop albums of all time, and yeah. on the website we're gonna have our top of the decade are these albums that you feel remain worthy of that status of being placed within because we, we we complained about the pitchfork stuff in the bonus episode are these albums that you ever think look back at and think like people slept on this or maybe not people slept on this because clearly people did but um this doesn't get the love it deserves or do you agree that the underground is still very much something for people that want underground and it's it's where it is and that's it i i think underground is where it is it could come higher because there's a lot of great artists but underground will always remain underground because it serves to a certain type yeah you know what i mean like you're gonna listen to underground you're always gonna listen to underground right you're always gonna go back to the underground like i'm doing right now and in 2019 yeah i'm going back to the underground because there's nothing i want to hear mm -hmm. but the underground that will it's always going to remain raw it's always going to remain different of what you're getting thrown at mm -hmm. a lot of these albums that came out in 2010 i just named one gangrene gutter water mm -hmm. all known alchemist when you go listen to that you, you're like this is way ahead of its time mm-hmm Peep, these guys are making hip-hop and it sounds totally different than anything that's coming out that year. Uh -huh. And you'll have the people that listen to the indie rock that'll go to an album like that. Yeah, because like, the, the, the sound... The, 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 There's the Rock Marciano, his first album that came out, Mossberg. Yeah. I even think Pitchfork fucking reviewed it <laughs> amazingly. But Do you think that albums like this, you talk a lot about how your love for Griselda right now and what you're listening to, do you sometimes feel like Griselda is the hope to bring this back forward? Look, underground, like I said, it's... They are the most popular in yes, underground right now, we could for agree. For sure, for sure. They're right getting, now in 2019. They're getting attention from, from Push. They're getting, like... People are people in the mainstream know who these guys below them are. Yes. Okay, well, you can't really put them on your albums because it kind of breaks consistency but we're helping them out yeah are they the ones that could bring this back possibly underground will never come back it's always going to be there you just need to look for it you get what i'm saying you need to go like yeah i was i wasn't into a lot of artists you know what i was listening to in yeah, 2010 yeah. i was going out to look for it i found currency mm -hmm. I found the gangrenes. I found the rock marcianos. I went to look for it. It's always going to be there. You just need to go look for it. Mm -hmm. Underground, it's never going to die. No, not, not that it, it, will, it will not die. But you, the trend of being into that, will it come back is what I mean. Do you feel that something could... Yes. Because it was. 
It was. It, when you got into hip hop and when you liked hip hop, it was always this thing about saying, I like the real, like I like the I like the yeah. underground. And for a lot of people, like something like a prodigy, like his solo albums is underground. Yeah. To me to it's a not. Extent. To me yeah. it's not. But a lot of people that a lot of people in the that listen to the underground pull popular things into that bucket. To kind of add to the baggage, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. I just, it's always going to be there. People are fed up of listening to a certain type of hip-hop. need to go look for it. But again, a lot of these albums are not going to be thrown at you. For you, sure. You know what I mean? You need yeah. to go on websites and be like, oh shit, this guy just put out an album. I'm going to go listen to it. Right. And to not spend too much time on Underground, but like mm -hmm. going back to the, the producer-rapper KRS-One and True Master came out with an album. Reflection Eternal second album yeah, came out. It's true. Beats per revolutions per minute. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? The Marco Polo, Rusty Jux, Free Wayne, Beanie Siegel, Styles P, DJ Green Lantern. You see what I was listening to? Yeah. It's crazy. And one that sticks out is the Nas Damian Marley. Even though it's not a rapper producer, but two people yeah. from differently, that was huge when that came out. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Am I going to go back to listen to the album? Probably not. Like a lot of Nas albums, but... You know, like a lot, a lot of crazy things were happening in 2010. Don't forget, Ooh, Massacre came out. How many times <laughs> you own that? How many times do I own it? If I yeah. turn around, I say four times. <laughs> Each cover. Ooh, Massacre yeah. was Ray, Kwan, Ghostface, Method Man. Yeah. And when they rolled that out, they rolled out four different album covers. And I own all four different album covers, thanks to Craig, because I didn't buy them. He brought it to me as a promo. Huh. But hip-hop hip -hop was in a great place. Still in a great place. Red Man came out with Reggie. But they're not great albums no. either. It's just a lot of those guys are still doing stuff yeah. regularly before they start falling off a bit. But getting back to... It, it's always going to be there. So the people that are fed up of listening to the mainstream, they're going to go... You need to go find this. Mm -hmm. And your favorite artists from the 90s or the 2000s, are still coming out with albums. They're just not thrown at you in your face, like the Red Man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's it, it was a huge year for hip-hop. Huge, huge year for hip-hop. Uh, Gucci Mane started to roll out the mixtapes. Yeah. Started to be, here's the free music. Here's, here's three free albums this year. Mm -hmm. Currency, Wiz Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa's career started... To be pushed up with Kush and Orange Juice. Uh -huh. Free. You know, like the freeness of music. Yeah, just get your name out there. Yeah, the freeness of music. Download on that piff. That's, yeah. This is when this is when it started. Right. This is when it started. But I think we should I think we should get into Well, you wanna take a break? We could take a break. Yeah, let's take a break. Alright. Thanks for hanging in. Uh we apologize again for the mic situation. Um, I mean, bear with us. Yeah, it's, just I, I will be fine by episode two. It's just a podcast. Um, jumping back into 2010, quick uh, tribute. Well, not tribute to the 90s, but a a, a great um, Britpop band from the 90s reunite, which is Pulp. Um, they didn't put out any new music, but. It's cool that they got back together, but Damon Albarn, <laughs> Britpop legend from Blur, um, makes a comeback with Gorillaz after five years, and this one's uh, for Plastic Beach in 2010. Yeah. Fantastic album. Holds up extremely well. I'm still more on the Demon Day side because... I was a kid when I when I heard that. Yeah, but, but this, but Plastic Beach, it could be it could be their best album. Yeah. Um, Why can I can I just can I throw something in? Why? Yeah, yeah. Because it attracted me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, yeah. Fair. Well, but wait, uh, Demon Days had plenty of yes. guys you liked. Yes, uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. No, he was on that. That was the one. That, yeah, Del Soul was on that. Yeah, Doom was on that. Yeah, yeah, but I just really liked the how they did this like the song sounded like they didn't miss a step but they yeah. sounded like 
next level. Right. It didn't sound like Demon Days. They went out and got Snoop Dogg <laughs> for the opening track, which is so fun to hear every single time. Uh, members of Little Dragon are on it. They brought De La Soul back. Um, Bobby Womack, legendary soul singer. That was cool. That was really cool because I didn't know who this singer was until this. That put me onto it. Uh, Most Def was on it. Back. Uh, twice, actually, on that one. Back. But the coolest thing about this album to me, and I know he had been in, Damon had been in The Good, The Bad, and The Queen with members of The Clash. To me, it was seeing Mick Jones, Paul Simonon back together as the surviving members of The Clash with Gorillaz. Brought them on tour. So they, they go on tour for the first time. Escape to Plastic Beach. Plenty of guests are there. So it's their first rollout as a band on tour. With visuals. With guests. Imagine having to get all these guests all the time to follow you on tour. Fly around and shit. Like you're pretty much like... Like a gorilla's tour must, must cost them crazy money. You saw this live? Escape to Plastic Beach. I went with Tom. Tommy. They brought Tommy to that, yeah. Really? I had no one to go Shows our friendship was in the gutter. Um, that was probably the most mind-blowing show because in my head, I was never going to see Gorillaz. For sure. And even after seeing them two times after Escape to Plastic Beach, there's this... I don't have much memory of it, but I know I was there. It It, it makes me so happy to know I was there. That's crazy that you went. Was most deaf there? He was not there. Of course not. I also want to throw in it was the first North American tour date they ever played. They may have played festivals, but Montreal was the first North American tour date for Gorillas because it was the first North American tour. So it was very it was super special. Was De La Soul there? De La Soul were there, Bobby Womack was there. Um the guys that sing on uh, White Flag, I don't know them. I, f- I forget their names. Snoop was up on the screen, so it was huh. all organ. It was all like uh, synced up. Uh, what's his name from Farside was there. I want to say Dell was there, but I'm I'm probably wrong. Could be is there because he's already toured with them. He has toured with them, but anyway, it was fantastic for for to get to see that. But like. Groups like that, like sometimes I wonder, and I ask you this, but I could ask you it now because we're talking about it and you could elaborate. When you're a hip-hop fan, exclusively for hip-hop, and you see a band like a Gorillaz, and they're collaborating with guys you listen to regularly, what is it that still prevents you from breaking over into, I need to own this album, I need to hear this album, I need to... You need to do what I do with this album. I, I've owned Plastic Beach. Really? I think you've given me a copy of Plastic Beach. I I used to own Plastic Beach. Okay. It's not in my CD collection back of us, but mm. I used to own Plastic Beach. What what prevents me from breaking into that style? Because I have too much to listen to. Okay. Number one. No, you keep up. For so. sure. I keep up. I have a lot to keep up with. Like in hip hop, there's a lot to keep up with because... There's always new songs. There's always new freestyle. There's always new album coming out. There's a lot. But the my problem with certain artists, or most of the artists, like the Gorillaz, I could listen to a full Gorillaz album. Okay. Vampire Weekend, I could listen to a full Vampire Weekend album. Grizzly Bear, I could listen to a full Grizzly Bear album. Um, you kind of went so the other end. No, but I'm telling you what I could listen to. <laughs> but like, there's a bunch of artists that I Broken Bells. I can listen to a full Broken Bells album. I think that was 2010 too. That was a fucking good album. It was good. But I just consistency with me with certain artists that I find yeah, like yeah, I can't listen much, to. Yeah. I can listen to a full Rancid album. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> though I can listen to full albums with certain artists. It just I'm not attracted to full. Like there's songs here and there, but sometimes I'm just not attracted to it. It's not what pleases me. Yeah. But I like the fact that Gorillas. And almost deaf. I like the fact that you're getting these people together from different genres. I like that. Yeah. I think it's cool. And I don't know what year this came out. It was Black Rock. It may have been 2010 or right before. No, that. it's not. It, it's not 2010. No. No, but like 
when you put two different genres together. I find that fantastic. It's it's amazing. Black it, Rock is of course Black Keys and hip hop artists. Yeah, various hip hop artists. Damon Dash's record label. Right. You had the Jim Jones. You had Most Def. You had ODB, Ludacris. You had all these people. Two thousand nine. No, yeah. it almost made it. November yeah. twenty four, two thousand nine. Yeah, those those. That was a good. Record. I like that. That was an enjoy. Raekwon was on it too. No? Yes. Uh, give me my flowers. Ludacris. Something. Yeah. Uh, Jim Jones was to me was the standout artist on that, uh -huh. but like I like that, it, it it attracts me. I just to some artists I just yeah it's fair. You know what I mean? It, and and I'm not knocking them. It's just not my cup of tea. That's fair. But like look at the Roots. Yeah. So the Roots put out "How I Got Over" in 2010. Probably one of their best albums. The Roots were also some of those hip hop guys that went out and got. The alternative, the indie artists to do things on their songs, like the guy from My Morning Jacket, Jim James, was on that album. Yeah, uh, Joanna Newsom was sampled. She's credited as a feature, but she's pretty much sampled for uh, an entire song. It was sampled. I thought she was a feature. No, that's one of her songs. The chorus. They used part of her song as a chorus to sample. I forget the name of the song. I'm not a big Joanna Newsom fan. I know she's a big deal, but... I think I saw The Roots live that year, too. I saw them live at the same... Yeah, I did see them live. What was your experience like? The Roots live? At, yeah. I, was it 2010? Yeah, it was 2010 Jazz Fest. No. Yes, Jazz Fest indoors at Metropolis. It may not have been that year, but tell me what you thought. The Roots live, yeah. they play, I would say, five of their songs and then just jam as a band and black. Oh, yeah, it was that year. I saw them the year before. Yeah. yeah, it was. The Roots live is fucking incredible. The Roots have to be one of the best bands all time. I'd love to see them perform albums. And that's that, that was my complaint in seeing them is that they do so much cover and it's like a, it's a big party and it's a lot of fun but i want to hear the roots yeah jamming i don't want to like if i want to hear them play covers i'll go to the jimmy fallon show like play the yeah play, you're right play, you, you have catalog too but they, they have, have chemistry so much, yeah but they have chemistry yeah, yeah, yeah. and it works so well because it just it just flows into yeah. each other but how do you go like i remember seeing them at oshaga i think it was the year before this album came out but like the entire the entire set is covers minus three songs. Yeah. No, I no, I get it. Like, you're it. the roots. You've got, like, yeah, so much. But I think the reason they do things like that is so they can attract other demographic to their shows. Because I'm telling you now, when I was watching them live, I was probably with, I would say, 30% of the crowd was about from 80 to 100 years old. <laughs> Uh, it's because it was Jazz Fest, not because it was what they do. They were inside, you had to buy a ticket. Yeah, they give out a lot of those tickets, like as. Uh... But fuck, man, there was some older ass people in there, and that's fine. But they were they they enjoyed it. They played yeah, they yeah, played Guns N' Roses cover, shit. Yeah, they cover everything. Yeah, so it was cool. But get get back to your point with the uh, the going from genre to genre and mixing it together. I yeah, the Roots do that well. They did that. On this album, I want to say for the first time, like Phrenology was their mainstream one, and they went a lot to the pop people, like Nelly Furtado's on that. They had, but on this one, they went into getting those artists that you didn't necessarily know. Granted, the Roots were always kind of that that group that everyone liked, mm -hmm. so chances are you knew of those artists. It wasn't a, it wasn't an intro to that artist if you were listening to that album because yeah the roots like the roots past a certain point don't even really like they apply to a hip-hop head but they don't necessarily apply to a casual hip-hop yes. fan yeah so it made sense for them to go that direction on that album it worked really well and on a future album that we're going to talk about sufian comes up too on that so it's true huh yeah that's crazy um we are a Montreal brand. The All Time Podcast is based in Montreal. Well, tonight we're on the dirty South Shore. The South Shore, La Rive Sud. But based in Montreal, we got a cover. 2010 was huge for a Montreal band. Big time. Um, I'm sorry we can't do this with better mics, but... 
Um, That's what happens when you come to the South Shore. No mics. In uh, June of 2010, this, the uh, the Arcade Fire reemerged with a new single. Uh, make a lot of noise. Huge. Interesting. They come play shows on the South Shore in parking lots. Which parking lot? Costco? No, Longueuil. Carrefour Longueuil. They played somewhere. Distant? No, 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 no. It was like a... Carrefour Longueuil. Yeah, like it's like a... Like a... So dirty there. I I think, well, part of the part of the point of the whole the whole uh, suburbs theme is how these are the well that that those oh, shows yeah, were yeah. based on this being the suburbs and we're building malls everywhere ah. um fuck i didn't know that that's not the overall theme of the album but but i get what yeah suburbs. it was kind of just to say like how like on like how she mentions like uh she mentioned how one of the songs on the album Eugene mentions that is about tasho because all they did was had like emptiness and all they did was make it yeah Hooters and all that shit that they <laughs> added. So um, they start releasing singles in June. They start playing festivals and uh, they played Quebec. That was the first time I saw them. And then they announced the Suburbs album, or I think it had just been announced. They headline Oceaga that year. And the album wasn't even out yet. And they headlined Oceaga? They headlining like a week before, a week prior. You had the National on the bill. That's the time I saw Pavement National. Good show. Arcade Fire. It was a good, it was a very good show. And overnight, this band from Montreal was as big as Coldplay. Once that album dropped, it was like surreal to know that there's a band where I'm from that is like going anywhere in the world, playing stadiums, playing like it's crazy. But how? I, my, my, my real question is how? Because the way right. I saw it was, okay, Arcade Fire is coming out with a new album. They're a big band. People like them. It's indie rock. It's hipster music, quote unquote. Yeah. Here's 20 copies at the store when we were working. So the thing with Arcade Fire is they always created a demand. They did a really good job at creating a demand. Their first tour that got them like a lot of publicity in their first big shows here that broke them into people knowing them in the mainstream was opening for U2 for Funeral. Oh, fuck. U2, which album? The Vertigo one, I think. Okay. I don't know, I don't know anything about U2. Um, they opened for them for a tour. It was probably that one because it was around that era. And they, they they managed to get a single into the top 40, Rebellion Lies. Okay. But their, 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 whole, uh, their whole gig about playing small crowds and intimate shows didn't change. So okay. they, created a, they created this kind of demand, this hype, that for the entire funeral touring, they were hard to see. When they came out with Neon Bible, I think that was 2008 or 7 or 8 anyways... They played in their hometown, Montreal, at Maurice Richard Arena, at VO. <laughs> like, they're creating a, a demand for them. That's crazy. And by the time The Suburbs comes out, okay, everyone knows that this band opened for you too. They had a great second album. But now they're going to go play the festival circuit. And everyone can see them. So they went from tiny to big. I, we could do this now because we're on topic. But in 2011... The whole suburbs thing comes to an end back in Montreal. One night they play at the Metropolis for the first time ever. So there was no in between. It went from opening at the Bell Center, but now we play small shows like we usually do, to festivals. So they play one night at the Metropolis. I was lucky enough to see that. And the next day, they played to like 100,000 people lined up at Plaza Zar. Jesus Christ. So... Everyone could see them all of a sudden. And now, okay, following the suburbs, you could see them wherever you want. They'll come, they'll play stadiums and they won't sell out right away because the hype's kind of down. But they created that monster. They, they It was well-planned leading up to the suburbs. 
And it's interesting because at the time I saw it as the suburbs being an album that like I could take it or leave it. I'm here for funeral and neon Bible. And at the age I am now, I wouldn't replace funeral necessarily because it's a, that's like my youth, but I relate to the suburbs. I relate to a lifestyle where you're getting comfortable, where you're settling. There's a lot of that on that acceptance that I, I find it's, it's probably, it might be their masterpiece now that I'm older and that's, they will throw that out there too. They won the Grammy the next year. It was, it was aired in 2011, but it was for the 2010 year. They win best album of the year. Kanye wasn't invited. He tweeted from home and he actually had good things to say about them winning. So this band made noise. They created this thing from Montreal from here. Okay. Some from Houston, some from Toronto and they, but Arcade Fire is 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 branded Montreal. The crazy thing about this album is I remember we were working downtown together. I wasn't working with you yet. No? No, I was not. I'll explain to you why after. Okay, explain to you why after. But the album came out and we only had like 25, 30 copies. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we had like fucking 300 and it was flying. I'm going to tell you something. Off the shelves. You had 300 at launch. I did? Yes, because they put out eight different covers. Well, fuck, see, I don't remember album. that. And I wanted the specific, the original one that you could find now, which was not stupid on my part, but it was the nicest one. You have it? Yeah, well, it's the one you could buy. Okay. It's the only one that, that they still make. But at our store, we received 10 copies. I wasn't working with you yet, and not none of them were that. So I called your store, and I said, do you have all the covers? They said, yeah finished work came to get it so they were all they were you had and you bought the the cover that i thought was the one i should i like i i basically ran around for a cover that i could now get any day of the week so you had 10 copies at your store yeah well we weren't how the fuck did we have 300 well, you got to remember, I worked at a store that like people would come in for the M and M's. People would come in for uh, Booba, Booba, MC Mario. It was it wasn't uh, nobody cared for that. Yeah, but the staff would buy that. Yeah, that's true. It was again, it's crazy. It's it, it's it, it's crazy to see, but they. I remember seeing these guys sell music at the store, and it kept selling and selling. And again, you're talking to a guy here that fucking hates everything but hip-hop music and uh-huh. doesn't understand why these things are selling but the new black milk album isn't selling you know what i mean and yeah, you're just yeah, like yeah. what's going on <laughs> like the new ghost space killer apollo kids came out but arcade fire is selling like crazy why aren't people coming in to buy the ghost face album yeah. like to me like i was just asking myself questions but as you get older you you understand and it's crazy and being part of that time and working in music and seeing people give a shit and coming out yeah. and wanting the physical copy of an album that you don't see that anymore. That's from home. That's from and home. And it's from home. And people are coming to the store. You have the new Arcade Fire, new Arcade Fire, new Arcade Fire. It's huge, man. It's, it's huge. It's, a big, it's cool. It's really nice that, and, that I could say I did but that. But people gave a shit about buying music in 2010. And it was a beautiful thing to see. And I miss those times. Even though I'm not a huge Arcade Fire fan, but I respect them, it's a, it was a beautiful thing to see for people to go out and buy music that you loved. So, uh, we don't have an album to pick each that we like the mm. most, like we did when we did the 10, the 10 breakdowns. But um, what were five albums of 2010 that, not necessarily that we, didn't t- that we spoke about or that we didn't, but like just ten, um, five albums of your choice that, uh, yeah, twenty ten that hold be, up today. Yeah, we're gonna be doing this for the next, uh, yeah. next ten episodes. I would say five that I really enjoyed that year would be Mers and Ninth Wonder for Never. Mm-hmm. I would go also with Ghostface Killer Apollo Kids, Gangrene Gutter Water. Gangrene is Alchemist and Oh No. I would go with Currency, Pilot Talk. I would go with Big Boy, Sir Luscious Left Foot, The Son of Chico Dusty. And I think I have one more, right? 
and I would probably go if I know how to count properly. Uh, am I allowed to pick Rick Ross Teflon Don or no? Of course no? you are. Pick whatever you want. Yeah, and Rick Ross Teflon Don. Okay. Yeah, those were those were the albums that stuck to me and stood the test of time. And just before I give you yours, Camuteo that year came out with King of Hearts, uh, an album that he had passed away but had recorded with LP, produced with LP. Mm-hmm. That came out that year also. That is a huge album. And to me, that was a fan of Camuteo. And he died, unfortunately, of lung cancer but was still smoking cigarettes on stage. I just needed to mention that. Rest in peace, Camuteo. Um, my five of 2010, I'm not going to say Kanye West because we went off on the 2010s. I think I made it uh, on the season one. I think I made it clear how much I care for that album. I'm going to go elsewhere and I'm also not going to repeat the ones that you said. And I'm also going to steer far away, not far away, but I'm going to steer away from the albums we spoke about, the Vampire Weekends, the Arcade Fires, the, um, what else did we mention today that kind of came up in passing? Pavement. (laughs) Fuck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like the Vampire Weekends, we we, we touched yeah. on it. You guys know yeah. I, I like that. So albums I, you should go yeah, check five, out. Five albums that I didn't talk about. That you should check out. And I give them an alpha order because I don't rank for this. Ariel Pink's Haunted Graffiti, Before Today, is the name of the album. Gotta go hear that. Uh, it's very weird. It's very glamish. It's very... Uh, uh, it's cool. Check it out if you like weird stuff. Um, next on the list, Beach House, Teen Dream. Oh, yes. Uh, this album is regularly in my rotation. I shouldn't be telling you how good it is. You've probably heard it, but Beach House, Teen Dream is wonderful. That, that, Go hear that album. That too used to sell like crazy. That album sold like crazy. What was the co- It was the yellow it, orange. It was like a zebra, but white and like a, off white and like yeah, light okay. pinkish. Yeah, that, that, that album, man. Like, I'll tell you something like that album, that tour. I saw Vampire Weekend Tour Contra with Beach House Teen Dream opening. And there was a band called the Dumb Dumb Girls opening. Yeah, I heard before about that. That, that kind of went unnoticed like towards the later. But Dum Dum Girls, Beach House, Vampire Weekend, one show. That's crazy. Deer Hunter, Halcyon Digest. Remember that album? I remember that album. The album cover might scare you off. I can promise you it is one of the best rock albums of the last 20 years. Fuck, that's a if, big if there's a If there's a 20 before the year number, this is, pos- this is within... The, Arguably the twenty best rock albums of the last twenty years, let alone the tw- like forget the this decade. This is this album is perfect top to bottom. It's weird. It's 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 loud, but it's it's soft. It, there's there's so much going on in this record. You got to hear it. If you didn't, uh, LCD sound system. This is happening. Um, not much to touch on there. They were still within their routine. They called a hiatus after this. But this album was uh, is often remembered as the, uh, their best album. I wouldn't say their best album, but a very, very good uh, album by them. And last, but certainly not least, my other favorite album of 2010 that I didn't talk about in the episode because there's not much really to say about it. Um, so it's always tied for me with Kanye, this album, is The National's High Violet, which... Can I touch um, on that real yeah, quick? Yeah. That album, when it came out, I remember I didn't understand. I had, I still to this day, I probably don't understand the sound of it and which direction they were going into. Yeah. But knowing how much you love this album and knowing how much people love this album, I also think this changed certain, certain styles and what was coming out after this and what the sound that they made to me, like I can never listen to a full national album, but I, I get that this is what people want to hear. And the the trend of that sound and the way they made their music, you see bands doing that up till now to this day. The national really put a, put a, and, and not only with this album, but the two that came prior were, they, they, they're one of the most influential indie bands. That's a guarantee. People love working with them. They're always working. They're always collaborating with different, like indie 
artists, uh, fantastic songwriters, lyrically really well. They do their thing really well. And um, yeah, they're just, I, I constantly have national stuff in my uh, in my rotation. Yeah. I, it's hard to, it's hard for me to move on from it. Yeah, if you want to listen to this album, just make sure you listen to it in the morning. No, anytime. No. Anytime of day. But yeah, I remember this album. You used to talk about it. Yeah, this was highly. Like, You've probably special. seen them live about sixty-seven <laughs> times. Did you see them live that year? Yeah, before Arcade Fire at Oshaga. Oh fuck! It's not the when the guy went into the fans. He's in the fans every night. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. By the way, I named six albums. I just recounted. Sorry. That's fine. Starts off six. well. Should I name a sixth? Uh, if you want to name a sixth, go name a sixth. I'll well, name a sixth. Caribou Swim. Fuck, I remember that album too. Yeah, that's a good one. It, it, 2010, man, was a fucking explosive a, it year. It started like, like hard. And with this episode, you guys also know where each of us were with what we were listening to. Yeah. And in what phase of what we were listening to, where we mm -hmm. were working, because we were both working in music. It was a huge year, and I would say I also started to get out of the box towards the end of the year, where I was getting more comfortable with certain artists that are considered more mainstream, like Kanye yeah. West, giving them more Ross. chances. Yeah, and Ross and stuff like that. And look, Ross is in yeah. the six I just named, mm -hmm. because I find the album incredible, and to me, age the test of time. But uh, we have a, a fuck ton more stuff to talk about uh, coming up. It's uh, it, it's pretty, it's pretty it's be big. a lot of fun. Look how crazy it is. It started 2010, explosive yeah. indie hip hop, uh, mixed together indie music going uphill, hip hop underground going uphill. Uh, it's it's just it's big. There's uh, if you guys have any suggestions, again, we always listen to what you guys say because we really, really, really love that you guys listen. Um, if you have any comments on like the structure of the episode, because we kind of just went with like kick back and talk. So if you guys think it's not structured, if you guys have suggestions to how we could do it better, don't talk, don't, don't call us out on the mics. We've, we get it. But if you have any other suggestions, we're going to, we welcome them. But you just keep in mind that season two is basically 2010 Till the end of 2019. That's it. So it's predictable. Next next week is uh, 2011. And we just want to give you what happened that year, the important albums that came out, uh, things that happened. Our experiences. Our experiences. And just touching on not only hip-hop, but every other genre of music that we were listening to that year. And how music changed. And how music changed our lives. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, I'm good with that. Fuck, I'm good. Season season two has started off uh, on a good note. I like that. Sorry for the mics again. See you next week. Yeah, sorry for Mona if you hear meowing in the background. See you next week. <laughs>